8.6 million people, 303 square miles, 327 Starbucks franchises. Every block of New York City is under the protection of our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. From stockbrokers, to the creepy Elmos in Times Square, to the local minor league baseball team, the New York Mets, it is Spider-Man's duty to defend each and every citizen of this concrete jungle. To protect the Big Apple, Spider-Man relies on the speed of his web swinging, zipping quickly from building to building to taxi to scaffolding to nuts for nuts cart and back to building. But this ignores one of the modern marvels of the world, New York's famed subway system. With 27 transit lines featuring trains that can travel up to 55 miles per hour, there must be situations where taking the train is more advantageous for our arachnid Avenger. Why doesn't Spider-Man take the subway? With 427 stations and over 840 miles of track throughout the city, is it not Spider-Man's duty to prevent crime in all parts of the Empire City? Is there some reason he's avoiding such a convenient means of transportation? Does he not know that the monthly pass pays for itself as long as you ride 1.47 times per day? I'm Mike Schubert, and this is Modern Muckraker. My team and I tirelessly plunge the depths of investigative journalism by answering the hard-hitting questions no one has dared or wanted to ask. On today's episode, we will bravely tackle the question, when should Spider-Man take the subway instead of web-swinging? This question presented itself to me after playing the Spider-Man video game created by Insomniac Games for the PlayStation 4. Early in the game, the player unlocks the ability to take the train to quickly relocate to another part of Manhattan. I was floored that I hadn't yet questioned why our beloved webhead doesn't utilize the MTA more often. Surely swinging across town is tiring, but on the other hand, it must be an incredible upper body workout. Perhaps he wants to be a yoked soldier for Mary Jane. Before we find our answer, we must break down our question to address a few key factors. First, we must identify the problem areas of New York City that would warrant Spider-Man to consider taking a train in favor of web swinging. Second, we will need to calculate the speed at which Spider-Man travels when web swinging. And finally, we will delve into the New York City transit system to see how quickly a train would traverse our identified problem areas. After completing this research and analysis, we will definitively determine the situations in which Spider-Man should opt to swipe his card, mine the gap, and stand clear of the closing doors. To note, I will always be pronouncing the hyphen in Spider-Man. You may not hear it, but I do. As we all know, New York City is made up of four boroughs, Manhattan, Queens, Brooklyn, and the Bronx. Some of you may question the absence of Staten Island from this list, but it's well documented that Staten Island is merely an extension of New Jersey, not part of New York. Would you consider the gum on your shoe to be a part of your shoe just because it was stuck to it? Neither would I. Let's determine which locations within New York would cause the most headaches for Spider-Man. 
The height of New York skyscrapers and other tall buildings is essential to Spider-Man's web-swinging ability. Without these, he wouldn't be able to generate enough momentum to travel faster than a tourist on a broken city bike, let alone a car. The most extensive buildingless area in New York is Manhattan's Central Park. This 843-acre green space is home to over 20,000 trees, 10,000 impossibly tiny dogs, 600 couples taking cliched engagement photos, a partridge in a pear tree, and exactly zero tall buildings. Where else do buildings not exist? The water. The East River is more than just a depository for garbage and bodies with cement shoes. It's one of the bodies of water that makes Manhattan an island. To cross from the island of Manhattan into the other boroughs, or vice versa, Spidey would need to traverse one of New York's many bridges. Similar to the water, there are no buildings on top of these bridges, so Spider-Man would need to swing under them. And I know what you're thinking. Why doesn't Spider-Man hitch himself to the back of a truck, skitching like a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater character in any game from the fourth installment and beyond? He could. But the looming risk of Chris Christie or another politician having a tantrum and enacting a second bridge gate makes the traffic of New York City far too volatile. Thus, we must conclude the only means of crossing these bridges is swinging under them. But is this even necessary? Most depictions of Spider-Man involve him solving crimes in Manhattan. But what about the other boroughs? Are we to believe that our beloved Spider-Man is like a stuffy Upper East Side resident who falsely believes that New York City does not extend beyond the island of Manhattan? Surely not, as some of the most iconic characters to don the Spidey suit, Peter Parker and Miles Morales, are natives of Queens and Brooklyn respectively. To determine whether or not Spider-Man should brave the biohazard brook known as the East River, we spoke with some folks at Marvel. Hi, I'm Lorraine Sink. I am a co-host of This Week in Marvel, the podcast from Marvel.com, as well as an author of Marvel Powers of a Girl, Ultimate Marvel, and Marvel Absolutely Everything You Need to Know, and co-host of the Marvel's Declassified podcast on SiriusXM. And I've been a Marvel employee for almost a decade. Hi, I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Agent M. I'm a vice president and creative executive at Marvel. I co-host This Week in Marvel with Lorraine. I co-host Marvel's Pull List, a weekly Marvel Comics podcast that you can listen to wherever you listen to your podcasts. I host a lot of videos. I have been in a number of Marvel video games, maybe even some Marvel television shows. And I've been at Marvel about 15 years. Thankfully... Ryan and Lorraine seemed incredibly receptive to the notion of Spider-Man taking the subway as a means of rapid transportation. They even pointed out that there's examples of this taking place in the comic books. Well, he can't really cross over water, so um, he couldn't probably go to Roosevelt Island unless he was swinging from the cable car. Everybody loves a tram. Come on. You know Spidey's taking that tram. Yeah, you love the tram. There are wonderful mass transit options in New York City, so he can hop on the subway. He has jumped on uh, the top of an L train, so he can take that to Brooklyn, to uh, the Bronx, anywhere else. He can ride like everybody else, and then he goes swing, swing, swing all around. But I think the, the important thing to remember is that you said at the beginning, he's from Queens, so his heart is going to be all over the five boroughs. I'm sure he's he's fought everywhere. I, you remember he had a giant battle with the Green Goblin at the George Washington Bridge, but then you take him all the way down to Brooklyn at times too. Yeah, I mean, I think the truth is, is wherever Spidey is, he's willing to do good. It's just that he really excels with skyscrapers. Peter Parker's Uncle Ben famously told him, with great power comes great responsibility. 
But does that responsibility include protecting Staten Island? Here's what our experts had to say. Now, Ryan and Lorraine, Staten Island is, legally speaking, a borough of New York City, but it's no one's favorite. It does seem to be thrown in there and mostly ignored. Do you think this makes Staten Island the Hawkeye of boroughs? Nobody should go to Staten Island. I think that's the most important point. Spidey doesn't need to go to Staten Island, but because he's a good guy, he'll go there. But he could even take the the Verrazano. Like you can swing pretty well on that, and you get the BQE. Yeah, I think he he could do it. But well, and I just want to say that canonically, Ryan is saying no one should go to Staten Island because it's inhabited with monsters. Yes, the Staten Island in Marvel Comics is a very similar adaptation to what we see in real life. It is full of monsters. <laughs> Ryan. I love Staten Island. We also asked our experts about parts of New York that are near the city, but just beyond the northern border of the boroughs. I currently live in Westchester, and I know that, in fact, you don't want to To go to Westchester. Go to Westchester if you live in the city. (laughs) That's just a fact. So I have no doubt that if he were happening to be in Westchester and crimes happened that he would intercede. But I do not think he will be making it his business to go there unless there's truly a travesty that has happened that, you know, warrants him going that far because, you know, you need to warrant your commute. Yeah, I think all hands on deck for the superheroes. He's there. He's going to help. And if he knows of something going on, he's Spider-Man. He's going to do everything in his power to help someone. But he doesn't he's never going to go swinging on patrol through Yonkers and into, you know, uh, anywhere up in, in Westchester. It doesn't make any sense for him. But He'll definitely be there. Although he would do very well in White Plains. They have enough tall buildings in that area that he might be able to at least swing around, you know, a few blocks. But it's White Plains. Come on, man. (laughs) With our boundaries of responsibility now clearly defined, the next step in our process is to determine how quickly Spider-Man travels when he swings. It is undeniable that web swinging looks appealing aesthetically, but is it functional? Can our hero travel faster than a subway speeding like the Coors Light Silver Bullet, ready to deliver subpar beer to people all over the world? Much like Miley Cyrus atop a wrecking ball, Spider-Man's trajectory mimics that of a pendulum. In fact, the song Wrecking Ball was written about Liam Hemsworth, the brother of Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor in the Avenger movies alongside, you guessed it, Spider-Man. Was Miley trying to subliminally audition for Mary Jane in a future Spider-Man film? We'll file that under potential future episodes of Modern Muckraker. In any case, let's talk pendulums. I understand that some of you may be PhDs in physics, but just in case you're not, here is a brief synopsis. A pendulum works by converting energy back and forth. When the bob is at its highest, a statement that surprisingly has nothing to do with Jay or Silent Bob, it has maximum stored energy known as potential energy. As it accelerates down towards its lowest point, the potential energy is converted into kinetic energy. When the bob rises up again, the kinetic energy converts back to potential energy. So as the bob swings back and forth, it repeatedly switches its energy between potential and kinetic. To put it plainly, the longer the web, the faster Spider-Man can swing. And much like online dating, it's best to cast a wide net. So, in order to maximize the length of his web, Spider-Man would need to attach it to the highest possible point. Fortunately for our trusty neighborhood hero, New York City is filled with historic tall buildings like the Empire State Building and the Chrysler Building. 
It also contains dozens of needlessly tall, hideous, largely empty buildings owned by real-life supervillains known colloquially as billionaires. I was delighted to learn that there is at least one other person on Earth with a similar desire to determine when Spider-Man should and shouldn't web-swing. In 2014, Dr. Rhett Elaine, whose name begs the question, what if there was a Gone with the Wind and Seinfeld mashup, wrote the article, Should Spider-Man Swing or Run? Though the question Dr. Elaine poses here is a bit different from ours, his research will prove immensely useful for our venture. I talked with him to further discuss his findings and figure out how he had so much free time in 2014. I'm Dr. Rhett Elaine. I'm a physics professor at Southeastern Louisiana University. I'm also a blogger at Wired.com. I'm also the technical consultant for MacGyver and Mythbusters. On top of that, I do make some YouTube videos. In your article, you have a respect and an admiration for Spider-Man, which I find truly admirable. What sparked your initial fascination with Spider-Man? I was a teenager in the 80s, and I was huge into comic books before comic books are cool. Spider-Man was one of my favorite superheroes. You know, the struggles he went through, I really, you know, I, I didn't have the same life he had, but I, I could understand how he was trying to do superhero stuff and normal stuff too. And it was just, the struggle was real. And I really appreciated that. And on top of that, he's a physicist or, you know, he was at one point, he was always stronger than he realized he was. And I, I like that too. There were certain moments where he just, he really had to do what he had to do and he did it. And he didn't think he could. And he was always my favorite. Dr. Adeline expressed that superhero superfans show love to these heroes in many different ways, from fan art to cosplay to gibbets on their crocs. His particular form of expression is applying physics to comic books. Dr. Elaine's fascination with Spider-Man's means of transportation in particular inspired him to look further into the physics of web-swinging. He is so unique in that very few people get around by swinging. And it really just came into my head. I'm like, I, I wonder if that's a great idea. I mean, it looks cool, and I don't want to ever change Spider-Man. But is it really better? Could it really work? And if you take... An example of a swinging, a mass swinging on a string, it's a simple pendulum. It's something that we use in physics a lot. And so I already, already had the ideas. You just got to put it into the movie and see what would happen. And that's really where it started from. In Dr. Elaine's article, he utilizes his physics prowess to dissect Spider-Man's web-slinging, seeing if it is truly worth all the effort as opposed to just sprinting through New York City like a yuppie trying to reach Trader Joe's before it closes. Dr. Elaine first establishes an equation for a general pendulum swing and then adjusts it to more accurately fit Spider-Man's swing since he glides through the air in between the whips. Dr. Elaine calculated his results using a Python code, which is a computational language, not the password into the Slytherin common room. He was gracious enough to pass along this code to us so we could apply it to our research, and we didn't even have to squeeze it out of him. Python humor. But this process wasn't completely carefree. Much like an inebriated 1950s cartoon character, we ran into some hiccups. Now, when we were looking into your article, it contained a hyperlink that states, if you want to see how to do this, creating the code, try this older post. But when you visit that older post, it references a Google Sheet which displays an error message, the file you requested does not exist. So my question to you is, did S.H.I.E.L.D. shut you down? Is Nick Fury hiding the truth from the world? Yes. He went on to clarify. 
Now, you know, actually, I, I was trying to find that file. I was looking for that file, but it's such an old blog post. I'm pretty sure what happened is that the way Google Sheets makes their web addresses change. I think Google changed it. So maybe if Google's owned by Shield, I don't know, then that could be the answer. But I, I really couldn't figure out what's going on. And that's why I just said, I'll remake the whole thing in Python because it'd be easier anyway. Before we let Dr. Elaine go, we had to figure out how he was able to conduct such extensive extracurricular research while still maintaining his professorship. I just cut out the sleeping part. A fascinating solution. With Dr. Elaine's research in our minds and his code downloaded to our hearts, we were able to move forward and calculate how fast Spider-Man can swing throughout each neighborhood of New York City. To determine these speeds, we first needed each neighborhood's average building height. We visited the New York City government's Development of City Planning website and downloaded the Pluto file, which is a spreadsheet containing information about every building in New York City, not someone who simply refuses to accept the fact that Pluto is no longer a planet. Let it go, Jeremy. It's been over 15 years. This isn't your average spreadsheet. Pluto is a 365 megabyte CSV file containing 90 columns and 65,535 rows. If 65,535 sounds familiar to you, one, you're a huge nerd, and two, that is the maximum number of rows a spreadsheet can have in Microsoft Excel. On the other hand, if you are confused and too embarrassed to ask, rows are the ones that go across and columns are the ones that go top to bottom. From this data, we calculated the average building height of each neighborhood in New York City. We took those height values and inserted them into Dr. Elaine's code in order to yield average swinging speeds for each part of the city. Much like the wired-up finance bros in the area, Spider-Man is able to move his fastest 34.2 miles per hour in the financial district of Manhattan due to its conglomeration of skyscrapers. But much like those bros the morning after a night of Patagonia vest partying, Spider-Man travels more slowly in the more residential parts of town, around 22.3 miles per hour. Yet even in these residential parts of town with shorter buildings, Spider-Man still moves faster than the average local subway train. Multiple sources confirmed that the average speed of an NYC MTA train is roughly 17.4 miles per hour. So even if Spider-Man is deep in Brooklyn, far from skyscrapers, desperately searching for that fully functional laundromat with a pinball bar in the back room, his web swinging will outpace any local train. Now armed with Dr. Elaine's formula and an understanding of the correlation between average building height and Spider-Man's speed, the next question to address is are there enough buildings in New York City for Spider-Man to utilize? Contrary to t-shirts sold at every Hudson newsstand at LaGuardia Airport, New York City is not solely comprised of skyscrapers, nor is the Statue of Liberty located in Manhattan. The most iconic example of a non-buildinged area in the Big Apple is Central Park, home to beautiful scenery, lush gardens, and disgruntled horses who definitely did not sign up to lug some couple from Nebraska around for the afternoon. Though no skyscrapers exist within the boundaries of this park, it does contain over 20,000 of nature's skyscrapers, trees. But we wondered, are these trees sturdy enough to support the web-swinging force of Spider-Man? If not, how would our webhead best travel through Central Park? Fortunately, our experts at Marvel, Ryan and Lorraine, had thoughtful insight as to the pitfalls that this park creates and the workarounds Spider-Man could implement to thwart them. Trees do not have the quite the same surface area that buildings do. They also have branches and also those boughs break all the time and fall to the ground. 
it's a classic winter issue. So I feel like that would be a little sticky for him. I feel like that's kind of a running situation most of the time. I think, though, especially for Peter Parker, Spider-Man, he would be clever enough and know the park well enough to stick to sort of the the paths. And so you use the the light posts. The lights. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes, that is the way he does it. Yeah, he just doesn't want to go over the water because that's just, then he's just getting wet. There's no way around it. But if he sticks to the paths. Unless he takes a swan boat. Ooh, a good swan boat. And then he could whip himself. Like if he finds something to pull, he can pull himself across on that, which would be really good. But also with the trees, if he, and Peter Parker, scientist, very smart, can think about the angles and the sort of the the physics of it all, he could probably grab himself onto a tree and sort of slingshot himself, push himself forward. And if he keeps doing that, if he keeps propelling himself using that momentum, he can get across the park pretty quickly. Yeah. And, you know, something we've overlooked a little bit is his wall crawling ability, his stickiness. So he probably could not unlike a squirrel, sort of run across the branches and jump from tree to tree. I want to see that. We don't need a deep dive into these transportation options like James Cameron researching the abyss. Regardless of how fast Spider-Man can run or slingshot or swing on light posts, all of these methods of travel will certainly be slower than riding the subway alongside Central Park, especially an express train. With this buildingless area now addressed, we can turn to another buildingless area, for now, until the real estate market inevitably expands there, bridges. Thanks to modern cinema, we know there are 21 bridges that connect to and from Manhattan. The names of these bridges range from iconic members of American history, such as George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, to overly dramatic-sounding names, such as the Hellgate Bridge, to ridiculous-sounding Dutch names, such as the Spuyten Duyvel Bridge. If Spider-Man, or as he's known in the Netherlands, Spoidermoin, needed to leave Manhattan for another borough, like a millennial family that just had its first child, he would need to take one of these bridges. The privately owned New York City ferry system is neither expansive nor reliable enough for our arachnid Avenger. And I should know, I'm an avid ferry rider and critic myself, so much so that I have been quoted in publications bemoaning the horrendous ferry system. Go ahead, Google Mike Schubert NYC Ferry. Anyway, clearly Spider-Man's ideal method of traversing these bridges is to swing underneath them. Additionally, he would need to ensure that no water from the East River got on him, not because his suit can't withstand it, but because the lingering smell would be too distracting for him to continue fighting crime. We pose the feasibility of Spider-Man swinging under and slash or riding atop trains over bridges in and out of Manhattan to our Marvel experts. They confirmed that both of these options are viable and have been used by various spiders man in the comics. But do any of these bridges create problems like McCall Bridges does for opponents on the basketball court? Thankfully for our hero, almost any bridge that would present issues for Spider-Man can easily be circumvented via thwipping underneath another nearby large bridge. Let's break it down by borough. We'll first make like a muffin shop owner looking at store locations and begin with Brooklyn. To get into Dumbo or downtown Brooklyn, Spider-Man could swing underneath the Brooklyn Bridge, thereby avoiding thousands of tourists slowly walking across it with potentially dangerous selfie sticks. The base of this bridge sits 127 feet above the water, meaning he could swing at an average speed of 27.7 miles per hour underneath it. 
To get into Williamsburg, he could swing under the very appropriately named Williamsburg Bridge, which sits 131 feet above the water, resulting in a swinging speed of 28 miles per hour. Spidey's ability to swing underneath bridges means that he doesn't have to deal with bespoke bicycles ridden by men with literal handlebar mustaches. If he needed to get to Greenpoint, he could utilize the Williamsburg Bridge and then travel north, or a combination of the Ed Koch-Queensboro Bridge and Pulaski Bridges and travel south. The Ed Koch Bridge sits 131 feet above the water, which results in a swinging speed of 28 miles per hour. True to its Greenpoint history, the incredibly Polishly named Pulaski Bridge is much shorter, resting just 40 feet above the water. But thankfully, the Newton Creek it sits above is only about 250 feet wide, so Spider-Man wouldn't be hampered for a long time. Let's make like your mother discovering the crown on Netflix and get into Queens. I mean really into Queens. If Spider-Man wanted to do what Jeff Bezos couldn't and enter Long Island City, he could swing under the Ed Koch Queensboro Bridge. If there was a threat to thwart in Astoria, he could utilize the Robert F. Kennedy Bridge, which rests 135 feet above the water, allowing our webhead to swing at a speed of 28.2 miles per hour. Much like Jennifer Lopez, we simply cannot forget the Bronx. If Spider-Man's talents were needed in the South Bronx, perhaps to reapply Spider-Tack to Garrett Cole's hat, he could make use of the Willis Avenue Bridge, which sits 65 feet above the water. That still allows for a swinging speed of 23.1 miles per hour, and it's his best option given the other bridges that cross the Harlem River. And thankfully, the Harlem River is a short river to traverse. If he needed to get into the West Bronx, he wouldn't need to tell its citizens, just you wait, just you wait, as he could easily utilize the Alexander Hamilton Bridge. This bridge rises 103 feet above the Harlem River, meaning Spider-Man could swing underneath it at 26.1 miles per hour. So now that we've covered all our bases like a hitter facing the bullpen of the Boston Red Sox, let's make like Spidey and weave together a web to find our solution. By utilizing Dr. Rhett Elaine's code, we can say with confidence that in almost every situation, Spider-Man is better off web-swinging as opposed to taking a local subway train. His agility is justification enough for this conclusion, as the average speed of a local subway train is only 17.4 miles per hour, and we found that even in the parts of New York City with the shortest average building height, Spider-Man can still travel 22.4 miles per hour. And when you consider external train setbacks such as delays, entering and exiting stations, and subway performers and tourists taking up the entire platform, it's a no-brainer that web-swinging is Spider-Man's superior option. The only time taking a local train presents a clear advantage would be when navigating to or through Central Park. The instability of tree branches and the low height of lampposts render parker parkour futile. The only other major buildingless area that concerned us were the bridges connecting the outer boroughs to Manhattan, and we found enough large bridges for Spider-Man to swing under at a rapid enough pace that this wouldn't be an issue. Yet one swinging alternative rises above the rest, the express subway train. With top speeds of 55 miles per hour, these trains are clearly the best option for Spider-Man whenever the route lines up with his destination. Here's an example for perspective. If Spider-Man were to swing through the bougie neighborhoods just west of Central Park from 59th Street to 125th Street, he would travel at an average speed of 24.6 miles per hour. Thus, this 3.4-mile, 66-block journey would take him 8 minutes and 18 seconds. 
Under ideal circumstances of an uptown express train, this adventure would only take him four minutes, as the train would be moving at an average speed of 51 miles per hour throughout the trip, stops included. But here at Modern Muckraker, we are not satisfied with hypothetical ideals like inserting a USB drive correctly on the first try, so we conducted field research. Our very own Adam Mamawala took this route on an express train and timed his journey. His final time from doors closed to doors open was 6 minutes and 43 seconds. Clearly, his train had some delays, but nevertheless, the particular train Adam took traveled at an average speed of 30.4 miles per hour, stops included. So even when an express train isn't operating at peak performance, it's a much better option than web swinging. And in case you're wondering, Adam swung home for the exercise. All of this leaves us with an answer to our burning question. Spider-Man should take the subway instead of web-swinging if he must travel to or through Central Park, or if he's near a train that is running express. But we here at Modern Muckraker aren't satisfied with vague answers, so here is the most precise answer possible to our question. Instead of web-swinging, Spider-Man should take the 3 train at any time, the 4 train in Brooklyn and Manhattan any time before midnight or after 5 a.m., and in the Bronx from 9 to 11 a.m. or 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., the 5 train at any time in Manhattan or Brooklyn, or weekdays in the Bronx towards Manhattan from 6.01 a.m. to 9.04 a.m., or from Manhattan from 3.55 p.m. to 6.53 p.m., the 6 train in the Southeast Bronx weekdays between 9 and 11 a.m., the 7 train weekdays days towards Manhattan from 6.21 to 10.29 a.m., or towards Queens from 2.46 to 10.08 p.m., the A train anytime before midnight or after 5 a.m., the B train at any time if he's in Midtown Manhattan or Brooklyn, the D train anytime in Manhattan, in the South Bronx from 6.26 to 10.25 a.m. towards Manhattan, or between 3.03 and 7.01 p.m. from Manhattan, or in Southwest Brooklyn before 10 p.m. or after 6 a.m., the J train weekdays towards Manhattan from 6.32 a.m. to 8.15 a.m., and from Manhattan between 4.30 and 5.45 p.m., or in Bushwick towards Manhattan from 7.05 a.m. to 1.03 p.m., and from Manhattan between 1.29 and 7.53 p.m., the N train weekdays in Lower Manhattan and Southwest Brooklyn before 10 p.m. and after 6.30 a.m., the Q train in Midtown and Lower Manhattan before midnight and after 6 a.m., and the Z train whenever it is running. That is when Spider-Man should take the subway instead of web-swinging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Modern Muckraker. Modern Muckraker was created and is hosted by Mike Schubert. This episode was written by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor and sound designer is Brandon Krugel, and our senior project manager is Frida Lucas. Research for this episode was done by Alyssa Esteban. Our theme is by Evan Cunningham, scoring by Brandon Krugel, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. Modern Muckraker is produced by Mike Schubert and Multitude. Thanks to our experts, Ryan Panagos, Lorraine Sink, and Dr. Rhett Elaine. You can learn more about these experts, as well as many items we discussed, on this episode's page on our website, modernmuck.com. You can find us on social media, at modernmuck, on Twitter and Instagram, as well as reddit.com slash r slash modernmuckraker. This podcast was made possible thanks to our Kickstarter backers, and we'd like to give special thanks to the following supporters. Ellie, Zoe Kopp, H. Gemmel, Sydney Aquino, Vicky Garcia, Lada Bartova, Polly Burridge, Hannah Langswert, Matt Barger, Kelsey Gillespie, Juliana Varner, Jack Schubert, Joel Schubert, Barbara Schubert, and Selena Ellerman. 
Join us next week for our second episode in which we answer the question, is the budget of East High School from High School Musical realistic for a public school in Albuquerque, New Mexico? Until then, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the truth.